with us. Glad to have uh, you guys with us today. If you have your Bibles, turn to Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20, as what we've been looking at in the last several uh, weeks as we've been looking at Ephesians chapter 3. And uh, our title is Amazingly Able. Amazingly Able. And so uh, we've looked at this. We talked about we need to, first of all, believe that God is amazingly able, trust that this promise actually is true, and true uh, in our now, in our that's. You know, sometimes say, like, yeah, I know that's true, but what about that, and what about now? So we are uh, talking about giving our that's and now's to Him, and to constantly turn to Him, to be constantly all through the day, turning, turning, turning to Jesus, to seek, to experience, not just learn about Him, but to, to seek to experience his amazing ability, and to recognize, to recognize how and when God is this amazingly able God is at work around us. We started last week on marrying this to the Christmas story. Going to do that again this, today. So look, if you will, in Ephesians chapter 3, uh, verses 20 and 21. Now the Bible says, Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly beyond all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us, to him, be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. And so I want to marry that to Matthew 1.23. And the New International Version says, The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son. They will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Well, a couple of weeks ago, I went, um, took a little vacation. I went to North Alabama, Birmingham, and uh, uh, the... Um, uh, uh, Oxford area. Did some hiking. I enjoy hiking. I enjoy getting out in God's nature. Enjoy seeing the things that God has made. Enjoy the health benefits of it. A lot of things I enjoy about uh, hiking. Uh, a couple of things I don't enjoy about hiking. Well, the biggest thing I don't enjoy about hiking is getting lost. Happens to be one of the things I'm best at. <laughs> really, really good at, uh, at getting lost. I get turned around in, dark, in, in an empty closet, guys. I mean, I just really have a, a hard time. But I did really, really well on my hikes. I hardly ever got more than 50 yards off the trail. And one of the reasons why is because of an app I put on my phone uh, called All Trails. It's the neatest little thing. If you've got a, a known trail, like in a national forest or something like that, uh, there's this app called All Trails. You can go to that app and it'll show you where the trail is. You can download it to your phone in case you get out of, of cell service, which I was a good bit of the time. And uh, you can hit navigate. When you hit navigate, it shows you the trail and where you are. Got a little arrow that represents you. And so uh, as I'd be walking around, and, and I was like, man, I don't see the trail anywhere. Look at, the, look at my app, and sure enough, trail's here, I'm here. <laughs> so I need to get back on the trail. It was really helpful for the first trail uh, I, I hiked on because that one had one... A lot of the trails have markers. Every 100 yards or so, it'd be like a little marker. The first trail had one marker at the beginning, this way. <laughs> and that was the last mark I saw. And it, at one point, uh, the trail crossed the driveway. The driveway kind of went into a campground. Little did I know, the trail went up the asphalt. <laughs> I didn't see a trail on the asphalt. And so look, I'm like, I just, where do I go? Oh, it goes through there, and it goes out the campground. Wouldn't it be cool? To have an app that shows you this is God's will for your life and this is where you are. <laughs> Man, have I gotten far away. Look, and, and there are there are some trail markers for us, right? God's word's a trail marker. If, you, if you're doing something that's against God's word, you're not on the right trail. No matter how you feel about it. 
There was one point, uh, in fact, one of the most difficult points on one of the trails. It was one of the highest, and it's not like I've been great mountains in North Alabama, but a lot of rocks and stuff, and I got down, and the trail um, turned right, and it was wide, and it wasn't near as many rocks, it wasn't many roots, and I just felt great about it. I got to noticing this particular trail had white blazes. I wasn't seeing any white blazes. And I looked at my app, and you know what I needed to do? I needed to repent. Because <laughs> I was going the wrong way. <laughs> and to repent means to do what? Turn around and go back where you're supposed to be, right? And so I, I needed to repent, turn around, go back the right way. So you got God's Word. And, and even if you feel great about what you're doing, I felt great about it. Even if you feel great about what you're doing and it's against God's Somebody say it one more time. Yeah. In us. So this God in Matthew 1, 23, because he is God with us, this God who is with us is also in us. And so we want to focus on marrying these two things together and see that Christmas says not only is he with us, but he chose to be with us. He wanted to to be with us. With all of our sins, with all of our quirks, with all of our mess-ups and all of that, Jesus wants to live with you. Here's the question today. How badly do we want to live with Him? How badly do we want to walk as close as we possibly can with Jesus? Now, this phrase, according to the power that works within us, that, that word literally means that to continually energize. Do you know if you're walking with and for Jesus, the Holy Spirit living in you is continually energizing you to live for his glory. He's continually at work in your life, giving you what you need to live with and for him in joy and in peace and in power. And so our response would be to what? Hey, man, what could be better than that? 
the God of creation, the God that, if we, as we've seen these verses that precede Ephesians 3.20, is when Paul prays that we could know by experience the love of God which is beyond understanding. And so you have this God who loves you beyond what we can understand. His ability and power is far beyond anything we can think about. I mean, who would make stars that are so far out of the universe that nobody can see them but God? that big. He, he lives in you and with you. And so our response should be what? Lord, there's nobody more important than you. There's nobody I want to please more than you. Nobody I want to be with more than you. And so we have to ask ourselves, are we living that way? Are we living like Jesus? It's the most precious and closest friend that we have and that we want to experience his love and his power and honor him and all that we do. Are we living like it or are we hampering and hindering the flow of God's love in our life? Because see, if you're not saved, this isn't true of you. You don't have the Holy Spirit living in you and you don't have the love of God in you. God loves you, but it's not in you. God loves you, but you haven't tasted of his life. It doesn't really do you any good until you're saved. So his power loves in you only when you've been saved. And so if you're saved, it's there, but you can be hindering and hampering the flow of God in your life. So let me ask you a question this morning. Is there any area where you haven't been obeying God's word? Is there a place that God's been leading you and you haven't been following? You're hampering and hindering the flow of God's love and power in your life? Is there any place in which God's convicted you about something? About a relationship, about some language, uh, about a habit, about things you do in entertainment or while you're on your phone, hopefully you're not on your phone right now, right? Turn those things off, <laughs> turn notifications off. Is there anything that's been, that's been ignoring the conviction of the Holy Spirit? As we ignore it, we're hindering and have, God convicts us to cleanse us and to fill us afresh and anew. Are you consistently choosing to walk by the Spirit, to walk with Jesus in a closer way as you possibly can? So let me give you three words today. I want to give us three words to help us to walk with Jesus like He is our King, like He is the love that blows our mind. I want to give us three words to help us walk with Him in power and love. First of all, this word expectant. Expectant. Let's expect God to answer our prayers. Let's expect God to show up in power and love in our lives. I mean, did you come today expecting God to speak to you? Did you come today expecting God to empower you afresh when you open your Bibles in the morning and have your quiet time, your prayer time? Are you expecting God to meet with you? By the way, if you don't open your Bibles and you don't have a prayer time in your day, then you certainly aren't expecting it because you're not doing anything. Are you expecting God as you go to work to use you as you go to school? Are you expecting God to use you that day to be an ambassador for Jesus? That's not arrogance. That's faith. If I overheard one of my children saying uh, to one of their friends, you know what? My, uh, my mom and dad love me as much as I, more, more than I can probably imagine, and I know they're committed to helping me experience God's will for my life with all of their heart. If I heard one of my kids say that, that I would not say, wow, they're really arrogant, aren't they? I wouldn't say they're arrogant. I would say, yes, 
<laughs> right? Because I want them to know that I love them with all of my heart. And I want them to know that Laura and I are committed to helping them see God's will done in their life as best as possible. It's not arrogant. It's expecting God to do what he promised to do. So you get a promise and you hang on to that promise. So what did you come to church with this morning? You see, some people come just like with a little thimble of faith. It's a little thimble. They come by and so they get a little thimble of love and power in their life. Some people bring a five-gallon bucket. Hey, amen? Get a bucket full. Hey, why don't you bring a wheelbarrow? <laughs> amen? Bring a dump truck, something like that. Are you ready, expecting God to fill you up each and every day, along through the day, when you sin and God convicts you, you, the idea is not to make you guilty. The idea of coming to church is not for me to step on your toes. The idea is for us to meet with God in love and power and feel that ready to live for Him and be His ambassador to tell people how wonderful, wonderful Jesus is. That's expecting, God. See, Ephesians 3, 20 and 21 According to the power that works within us, that power that is way beyond, way past our way past. Let me ask you a question. Do you expect God to do something like that in your life? Are you counting on God to do something like that in your life? Because here's the thing. This is not just to put on a plaque. This is not just for a bookmark. This is not just something to post on Facebook or Instagram. It's great if you want to post it on Facebook or Instagram. But this is God's promise for our lives. It's his promise for our lives. And we look at this promise and then we say, God, thank you. This promise is for me when someone tries my patience this week. Can I get an amen? Hey, this promise is for me when I have an opportunity to love somebody that's difficult to love this week. Instead of saying, I just can't love that person. I'm saying, God, you could do way past my way past. When we have an opportunity to forgive somebody that's hard to forgive. You say, forgiveness is easy to somebody does something that's hard to forgive, right? We have an opportunity to share Jesus with somebody, and we tend to want to pull back into our shell, but we say, oh, oh God, you're more than enough for this. We sit down with an unchristian friend, and we feel prompted to say, hey, would you mind if I ask the blessing? I'm a Christian. I'd love to ask the blessing. I'll even pray for you if you'd like for me to. Uh, and you think, well, no, that, that might bother. Well, why don't you just trust God and ask? We have a really hard day, and we choose in the midst of that hard day, instead of getting mad, instead of losing our temper, or really we find our temper, don't we? <laughs> instead of doing something to act out and, and be selfish, we say, Lord, in the midst of this hard day, it's really hard, I don't like it, but I choose to honor and glorify Jesus in the midst of it. So here's your weekly growth suggestion, guys. Your weekly growth suggestion, I want to encourage you to get up each day this week and tell Jesus that you're planning on living with and for him today. Man, I'm going to walk with you. You're with me. I'm with you. All right? And I'm expecting you not just to give but to be. See, God doesn't just give love and power. He is love and power. The power and love is Christ himself. It's not a package that he gives you. It's not this feeling of power and love. It's him. So I'm expecting you to be the love and power that I need. And continue memorizing Ephesians 3, uh, 20 to 21. Think about it this way. Think about if I was hiking down in the Conecuh Forest. And let's just suppose my battery died. So I've got a dead battery. And uh, I didn't bring Joel's phone charger with me. Um, if that doesn't make sense to you, look at the Facebook live feed from last week. But I'm just supposing down there, the battery's dead. And um, I know some folks that maybe kind of live that direction. I know Randy 
is a forester. And so let's just suppose I call Randy up and say, hey, Randy, you happen to be uh, near the forest? So let's just suppose that day he said, yeah, I'm, I am. I said, well, look, I'm at the North Trailhead. My battery's dead. I can't go anywhere. You, would you mind jumping me off? And he's like, man, I'm 10 minutes. Let's just all pretend, okay? And just to pretend, Randy's like, dude, man, I just have to be 10 minutes. I'm driving that way. I'll stop in. Got some cables in my truck. Jump you off. And so 10 minutes later, sure enough, Randy pulls in, pulls out, because I'm powerless. I don't, I've got a dead battery. I can't jump it off without any, something else along with me. And so Randy comes by, and he stops, jumps me off, and I look at him, I say, like, dude, I'm so glad you, I, I really didn't think he was going to come. I really didn't think he was going to stop. I, I, I'm so amazed that you would do this for me. That's not humble. That's insulting. Okay? Like, dude, why would you believe? I said I was going to do it. Why wouldn't you believe me? And so when we expect God to move, it's, it's not arrogant. It's insulting if we don't expect him to. It's insulting if we don't watch for him and look for him to. I was reading a book by a guy named John Avant. John has pastored numerous uh, churches in our Southern Baptist Convention, and uh, God's used him in some pretty incredible ways. He said when he was a teenager, when he was a teenager, way back around 1975, it was an ordinary school day. And on an ordinary school day, uh, a girl in front of him named Dottie turned around and said, Hey, uh, I'm in a youth choir at my church. Would you like to come watch us sing tonight? And he said she seemed a little nervous, you know. She seemed a little shy about it. And, but she was really pretty, so he went. <laughs> and uh, he said, you know, you know, I didn't really know. It. I, just, I went because she was pretty. And so he said, uh, he said he had um, uh, never, he went to church on Sunday. So he didn't realize she's trying to witness to him. He said, I went to a church, but the church he went to, he said he had never heard the gospel. Now, I've talked to people who grew up in certain churches that never heard the gospel. They have heard you should be good and you should be kind and you should be nice to people, but never heard the gospel. That Jesus died and rose again. That if you repent of your sins and trust in him, you'll be, you'll be converted, born again. You have a new life, a new heart, a new start. They'd never heard that. And so he went to church that night because Pretty Dottie asked him to. And he sat there and he said, experience something he never experienced. Here was this group of young high school kids his age, people that he knew, on fire for Jesus. Singing like they loved Jesus. See, he sees the, then he can see the joy and the peace in their lives. See something different about them. He said he'd never been to an evangelical church that preached the gospel. And he said after they sang, a guy got up that seemed like he really loved Jesus a lot, and he shared the gospel, and John Avant said he gave his heart to Jesus that night, and his life never the same after that. Never the same. And he said the thing after he moved out to college, the thing that he regretted was, he never told Dottie thank you. He said, it burned my heart. I hated it. I never told her thank you. 20 years later, he's at a high school reunion. And uh, he notices Dottie there. And uh, things were going really, really good for John. It's like God had been doing some really cool things. Church was growing, going overseas on mission trips. There were just people doing all kinds of really cool things for Christ. And so his life's going really, really well. And he, he said Dottie, to Dottie, he said, Dottie, I want to tell you something. I want to say thank you. Thank you. God used you to change my life. And she didn't know what he was talking about. He said, do you remember when you invited me to church to watch your youth group sing? And she said, yeah, I do remember that. He said, Dottie, God revolutionized my life that night. I'll save that night. And I'm so sorry. I never said thank you. He said, Dottie, 
teared up. And she said, I can't believe you're telling me this tonight. She said, my husband recently died. I'm going through such a hard time. Life has been really difficult over these last six months or so. And I've been wondering, does my life matter to anybody? Does my life count for anything? And he said, he looked at her in the eyes and said, Dottie, every good thing that ever happens in my life, every mission trip I take, every church I pastor, everybody comes to Christ uh, through my preaching and my witnessing, Dottie, you're a part of that. Without you, I don't experience any of that. So first of all, expecting. Where are you expecting God to show up in your life, to work in and through your life this week to His glory? Second thing I want to say is exchanging. Not only do we expect, but we exchange something. When I say exchange, we exchange our desires for God's desires. We exchange our strength for God's strength. We exchange our agenda for God's agenda. In other words, what we're saying is, Lord, I'm willing to say, not my will, but your will be done. I'm willing to say, Lord, you said that if I would deny myself and take up my cross, I could follow you. And that's what I'm choosing to do, Lord. Doesn't mean you quit being you. Doesn't mean you quit your personality. Doesn't mean you deny the spiritual gifts and talents that God's given you. It just means you say, your will, not my will, and you mean it. Because here's the thing. If you're trusting God, listen to me this morning. If you're trusting God to work powerfully in your life, to give you peace in a really hard situation, to give you courage to face some things that are really difficult, to give you the ability to to really experience God, and you're not willing to speak up for Jesus? You're having sex with somebody you're not married to? You're not generous with your money? You're not involved in God's church in any way or barely involved? You're not going to walk very close with him because you're at odds with him. You're doing things, you're walking in a way that is in direct rebellion against God, and you can't expect God's peace and God's power and God's love to be real to you while you're walking in rebellion against Him. You see, Jesus gave us a way to figure this out. He talked about people that loved Him, and, and we're going to say that verse in just a minute, but right before we do that, I want you to think about it. Jesus said, if you love me, go to church occasionally. Not what he said. If you love me, celebrate, celebrate Christmas as my birthday. When you go to the store, you say, Merry Christmas. You don't say, Happy Holidays. Not what Jesus said. Jesus didn't say, if you love me, then give $1,500 on gifts for your friends and family and $10 to Lottie Moon. That's not what Jesus said. I don't think Jesus is real impressed with our Christmas celebrations, to be honest with you. I mean, if it was Holt's birthday, and I said, Holt, man, it's your birthday, buddy. I'm celebrating your birthday. And, uh, and, I, and, I, and I, guess what I gave Joel for your birthday? Man, I gave Joel this coolest thing, man. And Hannah Grace got some of the most awesome outfits for your birthday, buddy. It was fantastic. I went home, and, and my family and I, we ate ourselves into a coma, man. I mean, we, we ate till we couldn't hardly see straight. And Holt, we did all that for you. I was like, dude, that, that was for you. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I'm glad you know it was my birthday, but that wasn't for me. That was for you and your family. I wonder how much of our Christmas Jesus is saying, it's really for y'all. Really a whole lot for you. Uh, no, oh, really a, a whole lot for me. John 14, 21, here's what he said. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, 
He's the one who loves me. And the one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. What's he saying? My love will become real to them. Not that he doesn't love people that don't obey. He loves everybody. But your love, you want Christ's love to be real, and Christ's power to be real. You find that out by walking with him in obedience. All his power is in you right now. What a travesty to waste it. What a travesty to let it go for nothing. You know, you can, you can go into the shower and it not do you any good. Anybody has a young boy does that, right? Go in there, turn the water on, come back out. Man, you, you don't, did you take a bath? I turned the water on. Did you get in it? <laughs> I remember I went to a grandmother's one time. Me and one of my cousins was staying up there. He was a year younger than me. And we had to go take a bath. And we didn't want to take a bath. We was 10 years old. And uh, I was like, we need to get in the tub. He said, we don't have to. I said, really? He said, no, watch this. So we were on the bath water. And he said, look, just stick your foot in and stick it on that towel right there. And they'll never know. So we did. How fun. It's not doing you any good. <laughs> the electricity coming can send electricity to your house. If you don't flip the switch, it's not doing you any good. I heard uh, Red where Priscilla Shower was talking about she was driving somewhere one day, and she was behind a power, a powder blue Mustang GT. She said, man, this thing looked like it could be in NASCAR. And she said it was driving 30 miles an hour on a two-lane road. And she's like, oh, come on, dude, go. <laughs> You've got a muscle car, man. You've got a fast car. Step on the accelerator. She said, it was a two-lane road, inclines, curves. She said, I'd like to never find a place to pass. And when I finally passed that guy, I found out it wasn't a guy. It was a lady. Silver-haired, slumped over, hit, barely able to see over. She said, it looked like my grandmother. <laughs> Here's my little grandmother driving this, you know, Ford Mustang. And she said, I look back at her, all that horsepower, all, all that ability. She couldn't get it over 30 miles an hour. And she said, I look back at that, and I thought about me. All the power of God available. And I'm trading his power for what I think is my control over my it's possible to have all this power and for it not to be working. I, I love what one guy said. What folly it is to fear to be in two entirely gods. That's what a lot of people fear. I, I don't want to be, I mean, I don't want to go overboard with this thing. And what he says, it is to fear to be too happy. <laughs> it is to fear to love God's will in all things. It is to fear to have too much courage in the crosses which are inevitable. Too much comfort in God's love and too much detachment from the passions which make us it may be time for some of us to quit playing games with God. Quit pretending. Go to church once in a while, throw a dollar toward an offering, try to be kind of nice. Not really following you. Not really tapped in and saying, God, you are my king. Your kingdom come. Your will be done in my life. On earth as it is in heaven. Read the story. I'll close with this. We'll go to the Lord's Supper. Read the story. Uh, this last week, about a guy named Eric Watkins. Eric Watkins um, said that when he got saved, he was outside, like way, way outside the church. He grew up not in church. He grew up in a very dysfunctional family. He said his dad uh, was a military guy. This way he described his dad. He said, my dad was a man of stone. He chiseled, 
highly decorated Marine who had served in the Vietnam era. And you see, while he was an excellent Marine, while he was an excellent Marine, he was much better at holding weapons and dodging bullets than he was at engaging with his family. Eric said, when I was 12 years old, my, my dad decided the home life was not for him, and he left. Never to return. Just left all of a sudden. And he said, he said it's hard to describe the emotional trauma that happened in our family when the man that we admired and respected and counted on more than anybody else in the world just left and abandoned us. He said it was that same year that he started drinking. By the time he was 18, he was drinking, doing drugs, selling drugs, just really having a hard time getting through school. As you can imagine, having a hard time getting through school. Played basketball. Said he showed up to a basketball game drunk one night. And um, ended up throwing up on the other team's principal. Not a good move. Not a good move. And it said when he came time for him to graduate, the principal called which they did not have a good relationship, but the principal called him in and said, dude, you are going in a bad direction. I really want to see you turn around. He was voted by his senior class the person most likely to live in a VW van the rest of his life. Not a good thing. So he decided to go to community college he wasn't able to pass, flunked out of that. And so he decided to be a deadhead. For some of you who can remember, that's somebody who follows the Grateful Dead. Loved the Grateful Dead, got him a backpack, got him some marijuana, and uh, started following the Grateful Dead around. Did that for a year or so, just following the Grateful Dead around, doing that kind of thing. And he said just night after night after night, just following him around, doing whatever. And he said finally, finally after a year or two of that, he said he got to the point where he's like, man, I'm tired of my life. I'm tired of the drugs. I'm tired of the Grateful Dead. I'm tired of waking up who knows where with who knows who. And so he told his brother who was traveling with him, he's like, dude, man, I'm, I'm going to go back to school. I'm like, you never pass school. He didn't pass last time. He's like, I gotta do something. I'm sick of that. I'm tired of this. And so he went to get on a bus to go back to where he could go to school at. And his sister took him to the bus stop. And his sister had started investing. She wasn't a Christian, but she had started investigating Christianity. And she said, look, Eric, I want you to take my Bible with you. He's like, no, I'm not interested in the Bible. He said, Every, all I knew of Christians was they were racist. That was my experience of Christians. He said, I'm not saying it's true. That was just my experience of Christians. Didn't have anything to do with them. Sure, didn't have anything to do with the Bible. And so she said, please, just take it. And he said, well, okay, I'll take it. So he, so he had his Bible and a guitar and a backpack. And he said, after about two or three days of riding on this Greyhound bus with his Bible, uh, I mean, he had the Bible in the backpack, backpack and his guitar, he just got bored. He got bored of playing the guitar, got bored of watching people and bored of playing the guitar. And so he said, he finally decided, I want to just I'll read this thing, you know. He took it out and started reading it. And he said, a lot of people are offended when they find out that they're sinners, but he said, that wasn't a big surprise to me. <laughs> no, I was a sinner. That wasn't anything new. But he said, well, it was a surprise. I found out that God loved me and God cared about me and Jesus died for me and rose again for me. For me, for me this smelly, he said he wasn't really into baths in those days. And he said, I got on that bus, a dirty, sinful, smelly deadhead. And he said, I got off a dirty, smelly child of God. My life was never the same. 
He said, my, the Bible showed me how great my sin was, but it also showed me how much greater the Savior was. He said, all of a sudden, I had a new life. He said, before that, he said, before the bus trip was over, God, man, it's one of those, sometimes God just kind of fast tracks people, right? He said, before the bus trip was over, I decided I'd go see my dad, the one who walked out on us. He said, I hated him, but God's grace had busted through all that bitterness I had. I don't want to go see my dad. So he found a way to his dad's house. He said, I didn't know he wanted to see me or not. And so he knocked on the door, he went in, and he told his dad about meeting Jesus and uh, how Christ had saved him. And, and if there's any way they could have a relationship, he'd like to do that. And he said his dad looked at him and said, son, just a couple of months ago, I gave my life to Jesus as well. I've been praying and asking God, was there any way, after all I've done, that I reconcile with my family? And Eric said one of the most beautiful scenes of his whole life was a year later when his dad showed up at their family reunion. And his dad got down on his knees in front of his grown children, in front of his grandchildren, and with tears running down his face, asked them if there was any way they would forgive him. And then he sang, Watch the Lamb. Some of you will remember that song. And the idea behind the song is, don't look at me. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Eric Watkins um, wrote this. Let me finish this a bit real close here. He said, in God's providence, I went on to graduate from college. From there, I completed four theological degrees. I've been a full-time pastor and church planner for 22 years while teaching at numerous seminaries. But of all that stuff that looks cool on paper, I'm a husband and father of four. God not only saved me from the path of the destruction I was on, he also used the pain I experienced as a young man to shape me into the kind of husband and father I want to be. God's grace is relentless. He saves all kinds of people. And he takes broken stories and broken vessels and makes them beautiful. Would you bow your heads for a moment as we pray? Would you bow your heads for a moment as we pray and prepare to take the Lord's Supper? Is there anything that you need to talk to Jesus about before we take the Lord's Supper this morning? If you're here and you're saved, you're welcome to the Lord's table. It's not our table, it's the Lord's table. If you're not saved, it's not for you. It's not saying anybody's better than anybody else, but this is an ordinance that Jesus gave to his church. And so it's for church people. And uh, so as you pray this morning, prepare your heart as we look at the juice and the bread. reminds us what Jesus did to be with us, to be with us. One of the greatest ways we can see that he really is with us. We're going to pray just for a second. We're going to play just about 30 seconds of soft music. Would you talk to Jesus and just tell him what's in your heart. Just tell him, Lord, I want to be with you like you're with me. Would you do that right now? Just talk to Jesus. If you have small kids, you make any kind of preparation you need to make as we prepare to take the Lord's Supper. Would you pray right now? You never change. You are the God you Savior When I'm afraid You come and still my beating heart You stay the same When hope is just a distant thought You take my pain And you lead me to the cross 
you'll take your cup now and pull that first flap off, pull that first flap off and take that piece of bread in your hand. Don't do anything with it just yet. We're going to take this. This represents the body of Jesus that was crucified for you and I. Okay, I'm going to read a verse and ask somebody to thank God for what Jesus did for us through his body. And then we'll partake together. Let me read a scripture. For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you. That the Lord Jesus, on the same night which he was betrayed, took bread. When he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Jesus was crucified to eat it. 